If you would be turning in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And here in a moment we'll start in verse 7 actually. And pick up right where David had left off. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about commitment. It seems as though in our current society commitment is harder and harder to find. It's harder to find in in others. It's, It's honestly harder to find things that it's worth being committed to. Somebody who is a lot smarter than me actually put it this way. He said, more and more we see that our culture is full of people who are increasingly standing for nothing apart from themselves. Standing for nothing apart from themselves. There's not much to be committed to other than what I want, what I think, what I need, what I, I, I. But yet, we as Christians, we have something far greater than anything in this world to be committed to. It's not necessarily a thing, in fact, it's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at a section of Scripture here that is probably pretty familiar to you. Especially if you worked on staff last summer, I think your your theme kind of came from this section of Scripture. But I don't want you to kind of tone it out, okay? As we read this, I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. Hear the claims that he's making because they're pretty impressive and pretty awe-inspiring. So right now, if you would, let's read in John chapter 10, starting verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves. And then the sheep flee, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See, just before this, Jesus actually healed a blind man and regained his sight. Some people think that this is just a collection of things that Jesus had said over a period of time. These are just a list of things that kind of fit together. And so Jesus said that he was the gate at one point or the door and another time he said he was the shepherd, he was the good shepherd, and all that, right? But I don't necessarily believe that. I think that this is exactly what Jesus said, and he said it, and he meant it. And what I think is he's really building an argument for not only us, but the Jewish leaders at the time to say truly who he is. The first statement that Jesus makes is he says that my sheep know my voice. Now, raising sheep in the Middle East is probably slightly different from around here. 
I wouldn't necessarily know. I never raised sheep around here. However, I have read up on what it is like over there. And there's this story about shortly after World War II, a British colonel was basically serving in the Middle East, and they were having all of these fights break out. Shocker, right? All the people in the Middle East are fighting each other. They can't stop just bickering, and they kill each other day in and day out. So what the British Army does is they take all of their sheep, all these unmarked sheep, thousands of them, and they bring them into the army camp. And they set them in there, and they say, all right, when you're done fighting, you can have your livelihood back. Does that make sense? So they can't stop them from killing each other, but what they can do is save them from losing their livelihood after the killing's done. So this British colonel tells this story. He recalls this time when this little boy came up to him shortly after the, the fighting had kind of ceased. And this small little 10-year-old boy walks up to him and says, Hey, I'm here to get my six sheep. And the colonel is like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> There's thousands out here and we don't mark them. How are you going to do that? He's like, Man, I really got to have my sheep. He's like, This is no joke. I need my sheep. I got six of them. The colonel says, there is no way that you're going to get these sheep. And the little boy says, just open the gate. So the colonel obviously is like, okay, I've got to see what this is like. So he says, open that gate. Let's see what happens. The little boy just makes this little noise with his, with his mouth, and he just starts walking down the road. And to the colonel and everyone else's surprise, here come six random sheep running after the little boy down the road home. Unbelievable. I want you to think about that for a second. How did those sheep come to know that boy's voice? How did they know that, hey, that's, that's, that's our boy. We're going with him. It didn't just happen overnight. The same is true for us with Christ. We cannot know his voice overnight. It's not going to happen that way. Don't try to make it happen that way. Try to learn his voice more clearly. Because the truth of the matter is that Jesus is really saying... He's the only one that's truly worth listening to. He's the only one that we can trust. But, as Jewish leaders at that time do, they didn't get it, right? They don't understand, and so Jesus has to go on. He has to prove to them that he's fully committed, and he says these words. He says in his second claim, I am the gate, or I am the door. I am the gate. Whenever I started working out at Deer Run, um, summers ago, I basically was, you know, big, tough, bad, 18-year-old kid. Um, I was about as big as I am now, and I had a, a buddy of mine whose name was Brian Williams. He's about six foot five. Okay, he's about as skinny as my pinky, but he's six foot five, so that's good. We were working on staff fourth session, 2012, and we were with the Wenatchees, which is the second youngest age group. And we do this thing called out camping where we go and we stay in the woods for a night. So we go out there and we get the tarp set up and we get all the kids ready. And they get all their sleeping bags on the tarp and, and everything. And then there's this little bitty path that leads through, I would call it a jungle over there in Africa, uh, we call it. And that is where me and Brian set a tiki torch and I set a chair here, he set a chair there, we set a camper's chair there and we put our feet in it. And that's how we were going to sleep for the entire night, just right there at the front entrance, we were like, man, we're going to protect these kids. We're not scared of nothing, right? As long as we've got our tiki torch. So we're sitting there, and, and we're ready to go. We're ready to fall asleep. And obviously, we're talking, you know, because we're nervous. But we're sitting there talking, and we, we hear this noise. 
And I remember at that time somebody had mentioned that there were some hogs up there. And I hear this one in the leaves. I look at Brian and I say, you want to go check that out? He said, nope. <laughs> so we sit there and, and we're like, okay, that was a little weird. Maybe, maybe it's nothing. And then we hear this, uh, okay, never heard that before. So me and Brian, being the men that we are, ready ourselves. We each have a pocket knife and a Bowie knife, both from Walmart. And so we're both sitting there, two 18-year-olds, he's six foot five, I'm me, and we're sitting there with our knives. We're ready for anything. And we just hear this noise again, and then we hear a splat. What in the world? This zombie's sweating a lot or something. I don't know what the deal is. His jaw just fell out of his mouth. We're like, what is this noise? And I say, Brian, it's a good way to go, buddy. And then we look, and we see this tiki torch, and it's just, you know, probably five or ten feet in front of us is all the light we have. And this small little figure comes walking up into the light. And who else but none other than our own Ethan Ward. (laughs) That's what he looked like, too. (laughs) He wasn't smiling as much. He walks up and he's holding his stomach. He's got vomit all over his shirt. We hide our knives and we say, hey, buddy, what's, what's going on? Well, Ethan doesn't like the hamburgers that we cook out at out camping too much. I think he's come to, you to like them now a little bit more. But he had woken up, and I think it was more like the Kool-Aid that he brought in a two-liter Coke bottle or something. I don't know. It was gross. But he had thrown up in his hammock that he had set off a few feet away. And so we take Ethan and we say, all right, we'll go take you to the nurse and everything. And we come back, me and Brian, tough as, tough as nails. We come back and, oh my goodness, our tiki torch is out. So we remember there's an entire tarp full of children. And what do we do? The men that we are, we climb right into the middle, push some kids aside, and we fall right asleep in the middle of all these children. So... I'm not really proud of that, but it's what I did. In the Middle East, whenever you are raising sheep in the summertime, there's not a whole lot of food to be found. In fact, all the plains that you would normally let your sheep graze on are completely withered away. So what you have to do is you have to hike them up into the mountain where there's more moisture and there's more grass and things, and that's about a five-mile hike, a five-hour hike, rather. And so if you've ever raised cattle, it probably would you know, be beneficial for you to not have to march them for five hours, feed them for one, and then march them five hours back. Am I right? You don't really raise them. Their development's not going to be good. So what these shepherds would have to do is they'd have to take these sheep, march them up into the mountain, and they'd have to stay there. And that's where this pin comes in. They'd have all these little makeshift pins up there ready to go for shepherds to use. I want you to notice a few things about it. It's pretty high walls. And all around the walls, there's these jagged rocks and sharp pieces. So if a predator wanted to jump over and attack the sheep, they couldn't, right? So it's pretty safe. So when nighttime comes, the shepherd will get his his sheep and he'll he'll herd them into this pen, right? There's only one vulnerable position in this pen. It's right there. It's about the width of a sheep, a single sheep, and it stays open. Here's a question for you. Where do you think the shepherd's going to sleep? If he's worth his weight, he's going to sleep right there. 
He's not going to go to the middle where it's nice and comfy, all the wool, right? No, he's going to sleep right there because that's where danger can come. The good shepherd, the shepherd that Jesus is saying he is, is that he is the gate. He is literally standing in the way. He says, I am life. I'm the way. I give you life. You come through to enter into life through me, you go out by me. There's no other way. Jesus lays his life down for the sheep. That vulnerable position is one that oftentimes I think we ought to be thinking, are we willing to do that for others? Am I willing to lay my life down to put other people first, knowing that I'm going to be in harm's way because I know that they need Jesus? They need to know the good shepherd. Jesus lays his life down for us. And the third claim that he makes is this. To make it very clear for these guys, he says, look, I am the good shepherd. Now, for those of us in 2019, we're thinking, yeah, sounds good, Jesus. Good shepherd, I like it. You do you. Good deal. But for these religious leaders that he's talking to, they heard a completely different thing. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 34, which is a verse that they know well, there's a scripture that talks about what God says that he is. In fact, God is talking to the religious leaders then of Israel in Ezekiel 34, and he says to them, you've been bad shepherds. He says, you've gotten fat off of my sheep, you've sold them, and you've gotten rich. He says, you put them in harm's way rather than you putting yourself in harm's way for them. And in fact, because of your ways of living, you've scattered them. You've made them flee from me, and so therefore, I'm going to come, and I'm going to be the good shepherd. The people will be my sheep, and I will be their shepherd. And that's what the religious leaders know. So when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, they all look at him and say, there's only one good shepherd. That's God. The question is, what is Jesus claiming to be? Jesus is claiming to be God. And so he is. Jesus comes in the flesh, God among us, incarnate. And he comes and he puts himself in harm's way for us. He talks to his sheep and they know his voice. They get to know him. He is the good shepherd. He's not the one that's there to just get ahead because of the sheep. You know, he's there to lay his life down for them. And he looks at these religious leaders and he says, this is why I've come. This is why I'm here, because I am the good shepherd. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to show you how you ought to have been doing it all along. So, his sheep know his voice. Jesus is known by his people. He knows, we know that he can be trusted. And because we trust him, we know that he also lays down his life for us. That's how we know it. He's willing to lay down his life for us, so we're willing to trust him with our life. The question is, are we willing to lay down our lives for others so that Jesus can be trusted by them as well? And he is the good shepherd. He is God in the flesh. What I want you to hear from me today is this. Jesus' commitment level to you is 100%. It never stops. It doesn't end. 100%. He is committed to you. He's committed to the mission of going out and finding his lost sheep.
and bringing them to Him. For us as Christians, are we committed to Him? Luke 9.23 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Or to quote one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, puts it this way. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your money, and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out entirely. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. If you're a Christian this morning, you might want to ask yourself this one question. Where am I in terms of my commitment with Christ. He's committed to me. 100%. Can I say the same about myself with Him? If you aren't a Christian, there's something you need to know about that section of Scripture in Ezekiel 34. You see, it goes on to say uh, something about the sheep, which he makes clear at the end of that chapter that the sheep are the people and He is the shepherd. He says the sheep, whenever they get fed... They like to trample the food after they've eaten it. So they, they eat some grass and then they trample all over it so that nobody else can get any. And then whenever they've been taken to get some water, they'll drink of it and then they'll do some unspeakable things in that water so that nobody else can have any. So if you're not a Christian, you need to know God doesn't save the sheep because they're good. God saves the sheep because He's good. Because of Him. He goes and he finds his sheep. He calls them to him. For us as Christians, we have a call to lay down our lives just as our shepherd does. To show that example to everyone we meet because here's the truth. Look around you. There's somebody following you. You may not even know it. If you're not a Christian, know this. There's a good shepherd. There's one that you can trust. The only one in this world. If you need to come to him, if you need prayers of the church, We'd like to offer that uh, to you in any way that we can. Let's be standing, and as, as we sing this song, if you need anything this morning, we ask that you would come.